We are about three weeks into a teaching series called A Church of the Way. We've been looking at what does it mean for us to be a church. We looked first week kind of the assembly of called out ones, basically like the assembly of kind of Christians gathering for worship. And last week, our worship pastor Tom spoke about how we can discover the joy and freedom of worship and ultimately to find our delight in God himself, that in doing so we bring glory to him uh, and he delights in us. And this week uh, we're going to think about uh, the outworking of that kind of foundational starting point of delighting in God, uh, how we uh, talk and speak about how we are called to be a church that is formed in his image. A church that is formed in his image and in that formation that ultimately we find our freedom and our purpose for our lives. Next week, um, we're going to do like part part. Part two, um, uh, where Emily, uh, one of our other pastors here, is going to look at how uh, formation particularly happens as part of family. Uh, And it's going to be a really exciting week because next week we are baptizing uh, at the evening service about six uh, people who have decided to follow Jesus. Very exciting. Uh, and some of you here tonight, we're so looking forward to celebrating with you. Uh, and so today we're kind of looking at uh, what does it look like for us uh, to be formed uh, as followers of Jesus uh, into his image. And so uh, let me start with this. It's a quote from a Pulitzer Prize winning author, Annie Dillard. He said this, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Uh, life moves quickly. I feel like whatever stage of life you're in here this evening, you'll be able to relate to this. I was um, talking with a friend uh, this week who actually came here. He's a student here, uh, and he's now uh, kind of graduated and qualified in his chosen field uh, this, this month uh, and is now looking for other jobs. I was like, wait, hang on. Weren't you a student with us like about two weeks ago? He's like, no, actually, uh, I left Southampton uh, three years ago. Like, flip, where did that time Go and as I was thinking about that, gosh, I'm uh, Hannah is um, uh, expecting our third child. Our oldest child is now in school, uh, and I don't think it's too early for me to be making some outline plans about my 40th birthday. And I'm just thinking, flip and heck, where did life go? Where did it go? And I feel like you could probably relate as you think about these last a couple of years, particularly it feels like, gosh, it's been like an absolute whirlwind of activity and also non-activity. And who even remembers March uh, to June 2020? It's just all a blur and it seems like life is going so fast. And um, it's 90 days to Christmas. I just think that is crazy. We've got an audible gasp. It's too soon. It's 90 days to Christmas. Just, it just keeps on coming. And so when we think about the speed of life and how like, you blink and you miss it, and we read simple lines like this, they become profoundly true. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And so today, I want us to consider uh, from the life of Jesus in John 15, I want us to consider uh, an invitation made to each one of us by Jesus to discover the life you long for. 
to discover the life that you truly long for. And so uh, it's a short verse. It's going to come up on the screen here uh, behind me. Uh, John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This uh, quote of Jesus's uh, is found in a passage where uh, Jesus is kind of almost like coming into land with his ministry. What we'll read next in 16, 17 onwards in John is he'll go and he'll be arrested. He'll be put on trial. Eventually he'll be crucified on a cross and then three days later rise again uh, and defeating death uh, in the resurrected life. And, And so what we've got here, it's kind of like he gives this long speech and he finishes with this amazing prayer for his followers. But he's saying like, if if like, I could summarize life with Jesus, this is how I'd do it. After all the miracles and the breakthrough and the uh, casting out of demons and the healing of the sick and all the sermons on the side of a mountain, this is how I would summarize life in the way of Jesus to you. It is about abiding in me. To an invitation to come and abide with Jesus. That word uh, abide simply means to remain in, to dwell in, to make a home in Jesus. It can also mean to be have a steadfast commitment to the thing that you are abiding in. I think a great word for us to understand this concept that Jesus is talking about, this invitation uh, that Jesus is giving us, is to think of it, uh, uh, to think of this word as the word steeping. Let me explain. Um, I would imagine that some of you in here like tea. No? Wow, no tea drinkers. Um, Right, cool. I'm going to go ahead and not believe you. Um, uh, I'm going to suggest to you that there is no perfect way of making tea. All of you, I feel like all of you, there'll be at least like 10 different techniques. Like when do you put the bag in? When do you put the hot water in? When do you put the milk in? Some of you put hot water bag and milk in the same time. I'm like, ah, that is disgusting. That is a soggy milky bag that you're putting in the bin there. And I just don't think that should be, that's just not acceptable. Um, And there's so many different ways that you can make tea. And um, my wife, uh, Hannah, she's Canadian, which I think disqualifies her from having any kind of opinion about how to make tea between you and me. And she's not here to defend herself. And so I'm going to explain to you why that is particularly. When Hannah makes a bag of tea, makes a you know what I mean, Uh, makes tea. And what she does is she fills up hot water and then puts the tea bag in for a maximum four seconds. It's like one, two, three, four, and then it's out of there. And then she pops a good glug glug of milk in uh, and she's off with her tea. Um, And I think that that is hot water that's leaning towards tea. I wouldn't say that that's tea. So when I make tea, I leave the bag in there for a decent amount of time. I don't want like particularly strong tea, but I do want the bag in there for a bit. Um, and she, I make it and she says, that's too strong. That is far too strong. And I say, because it's not just hot water with a suggestion of tea. It's actual tea. And here is my analogy. You ready? You've got to let the bag steep. 
Oh, yeah. You've got at the back seat. Tough crowd tonight, flipping heck. <laughs> because as it's steeped, it gets stronger. As the bag spends more time in the water, it gets stronger. And abiding in Jesus is steeping in and becoming strong in the presence of God. It's steeping in his voice of truth and the way to an abundant life. It's going to him with all of your joys and all of your sorrows. It's been steeped in the daily power of his spirit, spoken through his word, heard through his voice. It's been steeped in the presence of God where you start to become like him taking on his mind and his heart, his attitude, starting to reflect his image in you and then to the world around you. You see, Jesus is the vine and we are the, are the branches. The invitation is to spend our lives abiding in him and the result is fruit. The result is a life of joy, of peace, of patience and kindness. And so today, as we consider what kind of church our city needs, you know, if you're new here, our, our vision is to follow the way of Jesus, to play our part in the renewal of the city. Ultimately, we believe that your life is not just about your life. That is a far too small vision for it. It is meant to be a, a part, playing its part in partnering with God and his kingdom advancing and coming uh, into our reality. And so uh, what I want to talk today about is as we consider what kind of church this city and beyond needs what we are longing for as we long for a move of God I want to talk about spiritual formation so everyone in here uh, is being for like cool um I forgot to cheer up but at this point just imagine I played okay ladies let's get information <laughs> that would have been great right but I forgot to queue up anyway woo! Um, everyone in here, like that would have been great. Uh, everyone in here uh, is being formed. Whether we are aware of it or not, you are being formed. Whether you are aware of it or not, you are formed by your family that you were born into. You are formed by the nation uh, that you are from. You are formed by the friends that you make. You are formed by the news that you watch and the books that you read and the, and the shows that you stream and the screens that you scroll through. All of that works together to form us because we are surrounded by and what we consume ourselves with and what we value and devalue all of that shapes who you are it shapes the way that we think it shapes the way that we speak and act and some of that is good some of those things that you've inherited or that you've kind of consumed or uh, spend time with some of those things are good some of those things are like relatively neutral and some of those things are not good and unhelpful and so the question is do we want to get intentional and take ownership of our formation you are being formed whether you like it or not so do you want to take ownership over that formation I think one of the key ways that I believe that we will see God move in this community and ultimately in our city and beyond, one of the key ways is if this church, if each one of us take ownership of our own spiritual formation, take ownership of the way that we are being formed, the way and the who that we are becoming. 
Going to Jesus as our primary place, primary, primary place of formation is the only place that we are going to find our true identity as a son and daughter of Jesus, who you are ultimately meant to be, an invitation to be with, become like, and do the things that, you, that, that Jesus did, uh, because your formation will be around the creator of the universe. The one that knit you together in your mother's womb. The one that knows you better than you know yourself and can count uh, the sand on the shore and the uh, hairs on your head who has good purposes and good plans for your life. As we go to him, that we take our spiritual formation seriously, we are in the process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And that takes practice. It takes practice to be formed into the image of Jesus. And that is why a huge part of your following Jesus is considering what are the daily, the weekly, the monthly, the yearly practices that I hold in my life. Because ultimately how you spend your time is how you spend your life. Uh, last year, we did a series here, about this time last year, we did a series here called The Long Game, uh, where we considered uh, what kind of people we want to be. And we looked at lots of different spiritual practices to encourage each one of us to create a rule of life, which is like a, a trellis of uh, kind of like a scaffolding for the way that you want to live your life, practices to uh, live by. And uh, we've got this page on our website, uh, forward slash rule of of life and you can find all the talks on there there's about seven or eight of them uh, lots of other information and lots of um, uh, really helpful resources for you there I really do want to encourage you to visit that site and so today I'm not going to go all through that eight week series but I want to give you a little summary uh, just to give you a glimpse of what we were talking about and so uh, when we talk about spiritual formation or spiritual practices, what we are talking about are habits based on the lifestyle of Jesus that create time and space for us to access the presence and power of his spirit. Habits that create space in our lives for us to access the presence and the power of his spirit. And in so doing, we are transformed. Paul, a writer of the new, much of the New Testament, uses consistently throughout uh, his writings this metaphor of uh, exercise and training to describe the process, the ongoing process of formation. So, for example, uh, let's say that I wanted to bench press my own weight, um, which is... Uh, I can't remember why I weigh. It's um, more than I used to, whatever it is. Um, uh, if I wanted to get and kind of bench press my own weight, uh, what I wouldn't do uh, is lie down and then just put all of the weights on that I could find and then just push really hard for a really long time. I imagine... I, I'm actually at exercise here with uh, Mr. Jacob House PT, uh, House Workouts. Um, uh, little shout out there. Um, I imagine uh, Jay, I probably wouldn't be able to do that if I just tried first time. But it's not impossible for me. I just can't do it yet. 
You see, uh, what I would need to do is start smaller. I'd need to start with a few push-ups, maybe 10, maybe increase it to 11 by week three or something like that. Um, Or if that's too hard, I'd I'd start on my knees uh, and I'd start from there. But eventually, through practice, I would become the kind of person that has the capacity to lift my own weight. That is not a current reality, but it's not impossible but I would get there not by trying really hard, not by kind of putting all my might and effort into it. I'd get there by consistently training really hard to get to a point where I could lift my own weight. And the practices are the same. The practices uh, to your spiritual formation are what exercises to strength training. They are a way for us to access power found in the presence of God. And as we are so steeped in his presence, we grow more and more into his image and likeness. Spiritual practices are, they're more than just healthy habits or like a guide to a kind of self-improvement and personal enlightenment. They are a way for us to not to exercise just our own willpower, but to open up our mind and body to a power that is beyond us, which is God himself. And so by way of recap, I'm just going to really quickly fly through. Here are some uh, practices that I'd encourage you uh, to try as you, maybe you've just arrived here and you want to kind of, you're considering like, basically like, who do I want to be in Southampton? What kind of life do I want to live for the next few years? Maybe you're uh, in your first job and you're thinking, like, what kind, of, what kind of life do I want to live? How's my career going to be shaped? My friends, my family, my relationship. It might even be that you're at the other end of your career and you're thinking, what does the next 20 years look like? These are all going to be relevant and applicable to you. And so uh, whether that's Sabbath, a full day of rest, a week to delight in God's stillness, or reading scripture, fasting, denying yourself, food to create a total dependence on God, generosity and community, hospitality, living generously, uh, serving others in a life of service. These practices, um, feel free to take a picture of that. Done. Um, uh, These practices, uh, though, are not the goal in and of themselves, but they are a means to an end. There is no official list of practices. Uh, These practices that you've just seen are all available uh, to explore a bit more on our website. But the reason there's no uh, list, an official way of doing it, there's no strict rules, is because each of these practices are based in principles as a means to an end. They are a means to an end. For example, uh, if you practice Sabbath, which is a full day of resting and delighting in God uh, per week, the goal of practicing Sabbath is not to say, I have practiced Sabbath. It's not to say, hey guys, I'm doing my Sabbath. That's not uh, the aim. The aim is to become a person who is marked by an inner sense of restfulness. A person who is calm and kind and present to themselves, to God and to others in each and every moment. Someone who allows the goodness of God to flow in and out of them easily without getting in the way. The end goal uh, of reading scripture is not 
to just memorize the Bible, although I think that would be relatively helpful. The goal of reading scripture is to think God's thoughts after him. It's to, it's to draw close to him, to allow your mind to take on the mind of Christ, to think as he thinks and see the world as he sees the world. And as Romans 12 puts it, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ultimately, the aim of each one of the spiritual practices, each one is to become a person of love to become a person of love in God. That is the fruit of abiding in Jesus. That's the fruit that Jesus talks about as, he's, as he says, if you remain and abide in me, then you will produce fruit. And because the, this is, the aim is to produce fruit and become a person of love, your formation matters to not just you, but to all of us. Your spiritual formation, the way that you follow Jesus, it matters to me it, and it affects me. And the way that I follow Jesus and the way that I'm drawing close to him, it matters to you. Because as we are drawn into the presence and abide with Jesus, we learn how to love others well. We learn how to carry ourselves with a peace and a generosity and a kindness towards the world around us. And so our formation isn't just primarily for us, but it is also for the sake of the world. You know, life is short as we stared at the start and our lives are being lived in a fragmented and polarized and broken world. And so into a divided world, what we need is people who have been with Jesus. People who have been formed into the image and likeness of Jesus to be his peaceful and loving presence in the world. Our city needs a church that is steeped in his presence. And so, yes... Um, uh, it's a bit of a weird one to start like, hey, welcome to Southampton, welcome new students, steep yourself in Jesus. It's not kind of, that's why I wanted to play the uh, Beyonce thing, because it would have been like, oh, this, this is quite cool. <laughs> but the reality is, it, this requires discipline. It requires a choice of yours, a choice of your will to create time and space set aside in our lives. I love this description of uh, kind of um, uh, the discipline and choice uh, of following Jesus is choosing what we want most over what we want now. There are so many things that I want to do like right now and I'm so distracted and I like want to watch all the shows and have all the sweets and kind of spend all the time just like escaping into my own little world. But I know that if I spend my days like that, I will spend my life like that. So what do I truly want? I want to become a person of love. I want to become a person of peace and joy and kindness I want that to be my legacy. And so what do I want most? I want Jesus. And so I choose to do the thing that I want most over the thing that I want now. And this choice is always rooted in grace and never in guilt. Guilt will never be able to get you to go fast enough or strong enough or far enough with Jesus. It has to always be grace. And we know that because of this surprising second line in our passage that I think we can sometimes overlook. It says this, apart from me, 
You can do nothing. Whoops, sorry. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, it is only possible to discover and grow into this life through Jesus himself, through his presence and his power. And so I want to finish by uh, pulling out two implications that we find from this sentence. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Firstly, there is one essential ingredient that we bring to the table when it comes to formation. There is one essential ingredient that we bring. Jesus does all of the grace and all of the power and all of the presence, but we bring something as well. And we discover this as we read Matthew 16, which is Jesus speaking again, kind of expanding on this idea of apart from me, you can do nothing. And it says this, Jesus says to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple, we can translate that apprentice as well. Whoever wants to be my apprentice must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it in me. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? The essential ingredients that you bring is the laying down of your life. It is the giving up of your life in order to find it in Jesus. It is the laying down of your perception of your own sense of control. It is the laying down of your pride is the laying down of even your fears, all the things that we hold on to tightly in our lives. It is the laying down of those in the process of laying those down. Are we only ready and have open enough hands to then receive the life that Jesus truly wants to give us? You see, um, as you come to church, what church can do is give you great music and a wonderful time in worship. We can have relatively interesting talks. We can create space for you to make friends and have teas and coffees and other beverages afterwards. Um, uh, We can create smaller groups where you can find a real sense of belonging and a unity with others uh, in tables and Alpha and other places. We can, as Sophie does uh, with her amazing team, we can run social action projects and supermarkets and delivery things all over the city. And I truly believe in all of those things they are truly powerful and transformational but the only thing that only you can do is lay down your life no one else can do that for you I can't necessarily even persuade you to do that is a conviction of your will only you can lay your life down at the feet of Jesus and declare him as Lord only you can say Jesus you are king You are king of my life. You have victory over sin and death. You have victory uh, in my life and in the world around me. I want to live for you. So let me be clear as I talk about this uh, laying down of your life. This isn't like a, a barrier building. Those that get in are the ones that are super keen. 
And it's not a a guilt-driven challenge from God. This is a gracious invitation into life. This is an invitation based on grace because it is a free gift for you to pick up the life of Jesus. As you lay yours down, as you lay down your right to your life, you can graciously pick up Jesus's and be formed in his image. uh, James K.A. Smith, a philosopher and theologian, uh, says this on this process. Grace isn't just forgiveness, a covering and acquittal. It's an infusion, a transplant, a resurrection, a revolution of the wills and wants. It's the hand of a higher power that made you and loves you reaching into your soul with the gift of a new will. For grace is freedom. You see, to give up your life in order to find it in Jesus is an invitation to your ultimate freedom. This is good news. And that brings us to our second implication for us. For when it comes to laying down our lives, Jesus has gone first. Jesus so, so desperately wants you to secure your freedom that he gives up his life first not asking you to do anything that he hasn't already done first so that through his life, death and resurrection, you can find yours. Therefore, as we lay down our lives, as we lay down our right to ourselves and pick up the life of Jesus instead, we as the church discover our true life. We can be a church full of his presence, a church being his bride, his beautiful bride, representing his image to the world around us, his body to the world. It's Jesus and his power that makes formation possible. And Jesus calls us to a life of love. We know this, it will be a familiar passage to you, but Jesus says this, love your neighbor. He doesn't say love your neighbor unless they don't agree with you, then that's fine, you can wipe your hands with them. Or unless they like are a little bit difficult or, or hard to be with, or uh, unless they have a different religion to you, or they're from a different race, or they support the wrong team. No, the call is to love our neighbor. And so if we are going to be the kind of church, the kind of people that loves our neighbor, we need a power that is beyond ourselves. We need a power that is more than we can conjure up ourselves. For apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. For the furnace that powers your formation is the power of the Spirit burning within you. We need his strength for the life that we long to lead. We need a move of his spirit in our lives and in this church to see a move of God in our lifetime. So to finish, a a reminder. We want to remember this. Formation into the image of Jesus is a process. Sometimes you will have moments of amazing breakthrough. You'll come to nights like this or others and you'll just, just something will click. And it'll be incredible. Like that will be like your chocolate mousse. 
your every now and again, gosh, that's great, but it's not your daily bread. You cannot live off chocolate mousse, you will probably get fat. You actually not, can't really live off bread as well, it's too many carbs, but metaphorically speaking, you need your daily bread, that daily, long, gradual change over the years of becoming more and more like Jesus, made into his image. The laying down of your life is to remain in and to be steeped in the source that is the vine as your soul abides in the flow of God's goodness and mercy, the overflowing result of which is that there is fruit, fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the rest. You see, a church in the way of Jesus being formed into his image as a powerful presence in our city and beyond. So let me finish by reading Jesus's words again. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So my question is this, how do you want to respond to Jesus's invitation?